welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, where we bring together the best technical leaders to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Sol, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the UK, and today I am your host. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, a Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So I'm joined by uh, a really fantastic panel today, uh, experts within the ServiceNow space to discuss a really interesting topic in creating high-performance teams within ServiceNow and um, the subtopics that the guys have supplied. Um, I think everyone can agree are, are, are really interesting, so um, let's not waste any time and let's jump into it. I'll come to you first, uh, Amma, if you could give us a little bit of an introduction uh, to yourself, please. Yeah, uh, hi, thanks, Sol, and, and, and uh, nice to meet uh, Ryan on the panel. So I'm Amir Maksud. I've been working with uh, ServiceNow since the days of Calgary back in 2013-14. Um, so and initially um, um, worked with uh, Al Jazeera in, in Qatar and uh, pretty much today full sort of enterprise uh, transformation uh, focused on, on service management and uh, also so, so some enterprise areas like legal. And then I've moved on to um, Australian Broadcasting into a company called DAZN, which are uh, sort of OTT uh, sports streaming company. Um, and uh, yeah, we just just did a um, uh, a full replatform of ServiceNow and co-delivered with, with um, uh, you know, alongside ServiceNow as well, which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, that's been pretty much my nine years on ServiceNow. Thank you, Albert. And uh, we'll keep going in an alphabetical order. Amal, could you go next for us, please? Absolutely. Hi, good to meet you all. Um, thanks for the invite. Um, so Amal Ladd, I am working at Devo Team, where I'm the ServiceNow practice lead. So sales, pre-sales, the consultants, the PMs, etc., all report into into me. Um, so my background is, you know, all of my nearly two and a half decades have been in service management, um, SIAM in some way, shape, or form. So I've seen a number of different platforms. I think ServiceNow, I became more aware of um, back in 2009 um, and yeah just with various organizations with CAP and with um, Sofigate and now with Devo team but seen an evolution of different platforms really so I think I'll I'll, I'll leave it out there for, for the moment. Thank you Mal and over to you Brett. Yeah thanks Sol and nice to meet everyone else on, on the panel who wanted that I don't know. So Brett Moyer I lead business development for YI and I've been in this role for almost two years now I joined when the company was 30 people strong. We're at 140 at the moment. Probably the fastest growing boutique partner in the UK, probably in me as far as we can see it. Prior to this, I um, was working for a very large SI called Atos. I knew Mr. Ashing from that world. I was, I was leading the sales function there and being involved in, in some very large ServiceNow implementations and transformations over the last eight years that I've been working with the platform and being in ITSM for, for longer than I can remember. That's me. Thanks, Brett. And over to you, Steve. Thank you. Hi, I'm Steve Ashing. Um, I've been working with ServiceNow for 13 years. I just pip you there, Hammer. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, I'm currently a principal engagement manager within Engage ESM, which is the uh, ServiceNow practice within Atos. Uh, I'm currently on the card slightly to change role to more of a consultant management role. Uh, so this is a really relevant topic for me. Looking forward to this discussion. Uh, before I worked on ServiceNow, I had a background in initially software engineering and, and then subsequently in IT service management. So uh, I've done quite a lot of the breadth around the whole IT estate. Thank you, Steve. And thank you everyone for your introductions there. So we'll uh, jump straight into the topics then. Uh, you've all supplied a question or a subtopic uh, in relation to creating high performance teams in ServiceNow. And um, I think we'll go back in, in reverse order. Steve, I know you're a bit of an avid podcast listener yourself, so I won't keep you waiting. Uh, you've asked the question of uh, 
how do we motivate and optimize the performance of B-list team members, i.e. not your top performers, but not weak members of the team either? So if you could just give us a real reasoning behind that question and, and your own sort of thoughts and ideas on it. Yeah, sure. And it will um, play into some of the other questions as well around staff retention and, and so on. Um, you know, we, we all know about focusing on the top performers, giving them the best recognition and, and career development opportunities and so on. But they're not the bulk of our teams. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that get sort of lost or forgotten about in the middle that need motivating, they need uh, engaging, um, and they might have challenges that are stopping them from being successful. So, for instance, they might have life challenges outside of work or their motivations may not be aligned just at the moment, but they could be in a year's time, um, maybe joining the ranks of the top performers. So, um, you know, what do we do to keep these people motivated, engaged, uh, and uh, retain them as well? Because, uh, you know, this they can be a risk for um, attrition. Great. Is there any volunteers to speak first on that topic? Amal? Um, I, don't, I don't mind. Uh, yeah. He's away, Amal. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Amal. Do you want to go first? Yeah. I guess I guess it's how we manage them. So like like yourselves, like we've got a number of principals, we've got other high, other high performers, um, and the team is growing. So you'll see other people being recruited as well. Um, I think you've got to use all, all of those things as not necessarily the size of the prize, but this is you know this is where it could go to. I mean, I I must admit I don't I don't have the problem of you know just focusing on those top performers i think that just happens by default because they are proactive they won't let me um forget about them or you know, my delivery head etc because they're of that ilk so again it's encouraging them to be visible you know be proactive think about what they really want and help me to help them get there right i think i think the 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 leaders almost have to push them to a degree but also encourage them to to remember that it's their career these guys that are seen as the top performers um they can achieve that too and just helping them to define that roadmap to get there really i think but i think that visibility and proactivity really encouraging that is key because then that just becomes a, a way of life for them once they start seeing well my proactivity my visibility has led to this and it just snowballs i think getting them to do that first and foremost is is sometimes the challenge but once you've got it going i think um they all realize that okay well now now there's a mission that i'm on and that i've got to take the bull by the horns um and go after really and i think that's worked well for us um it, you know i've got a number of those that are on that that second rung i don't like to you know categorize it that way but you're starting to see them with the behaviors with either myself other parts of the organization to really say right i want this um you know, and and I think facilitating that and encouraging it is key. Good stuff. Alma, would you like to jump in next? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think I pretty much agree with uh, with everything Amal said there. I think just to add a few more points. Um, I mean, I mean, I just think service now is just primed for that situation where you can you can empower, uh, you know, your sort of um, team members to to shine. Really, I think that's that's the key word because, um, you know, we know how fast. The, the the pace of the platform development is um yeah you you've got two upgrades uh, a year and 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 what i've always found is 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 it's as long as you recruit right with the right character right mindset um it's just a plethora of opportunities for um those individuals tend to make their own mark um because you know we all know that that you know the high value items that that your your, your sort of top guys I would say are working on uh, are obviously going to be a bit more intensive. But then you've got equally um, um, new functionalities, new capabilities that I have always sort of given them to my more emerging members of the team. I'll use that word and, and said, look, this, make this your own. You know, make make this feature, this capability, you're on. It's brand new. It's just hot, hot off the press. You know, you're going to be the first person when we upgrade to speak about it, shout about it. Uh, you know, to do your engagement and adoption adoption sessions with um, with the stakeholder community. And what I found is, is that then becomes a catalyst because then they're almost on par with the top guys because they've introduced something new. Um, and 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 I feel that that is 
I would say is pretty unique about ServiceNow that you're able to leverage that pace of um, evolution on the platform and couple that with the growth and and um, essentially um, yeah uh, create almost that that um, positive I would say energy in the team um, and 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 yeah um, I think uh, it gives the value back um, to everybody then and um, because uh, yeah they've had that opportunity in that platform to 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 to, to show what they can do. Yeah, can I just follow up on that? Um, so you said to recruit the right character and mindset. What what sort of things are you looking out for there? Yeah, see, I, I, I'm I'm a big believer in. Um, I mean, you call it a sixth sense, the emotional intelligence. <laughs> so I, I I I don't know. I, you know, I, I just you can. It's sometimes the things they don't say. You know, and it's how they come across. You know, temperament, character. I mean, I'm a big believer in 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 um, in an open, uh, you know, trusting environment. You know, where uh, you know they 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 are um, empowered to speak and empowered to say what they want to say. And, and I say that from uh, from even if it's a graduate or an intern, you know, uh, you, you give them that confidence to 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 speak. But if you've seen that in an interview, um, that that confidence, um, then then you know that they're going to be able to take that opportunity when you give it to them. Um, and, and if, if perhaps they don't know they've got that in them, um, you know, we, we, I do try to interview to try to see if the potential is there as well. Um, because I think that's, that's the, um, you know, that, that, that's the, that's the beauty of trying to uncover, uncover talent and people themselves don't realize, you know, what, what ability they had and, uh, you know, you're able to, to unlock that for them. I'm out of the pick up on something. Yeah. Absolutely. I just wanted to add to that. I think in that we've got to be careful not to build a picture of what we think is a high performer. Um, because if I look at the team that we've got and we've employed, I know that some of them aren't, you know, that outgoing extrovert, you know, bit of a loudmouth like I can be. And that's that is not the measure of success, right? So I think there's some people that are just technically good. And that you need that in your team as well just to keep going away and just say, like, plug away. And they are top performers in their own right because of what they do, not because they are the top performer as we perceive the others as a top four performer. So I think I think there's that that balance that we've got to maintain is that, you know, what, what is a top what is a top performer, first of all, for foremost? And how do we categorize that? Because if we're judging everyone by the ones that are most confident, that are outspoken, you know, positively so, then we're not always going to get find those. So it is, it's finding that balance and everyone's got their role as a top performer within their own right. I, I think it, it's quite interesting. I mean, what we, we've seen in the last couple of years, it almost goes all the way back to culture for me, Steve. So, you know, you need your core set of principles and values and a very defined understanding of what your culture in the organization is, right? This is going to be the place for you to come and work. And if you start wrapping a lot of that thinking into your front-end recruiting, as the, the the gents were saying, you start picking up on the candidates that you you want to hire for, right? I mean, we we take a bit of a different approach. We we look for curiosity, we look for potential. It's not just about what service nice search you have that can be taught and learned, right? It's more of an attitude for us. And if you're fostering that culture and you you're providing a space where people can talk up and have a voice and go, do you know what? I'm not really enjoying ITSM. I might want to do CSM or I might be more interested in the security side of the business. Your top performers should start fostering relationships with the rest of your business and your development teams to then also help you identify where these people could potentially be best suited and fitted, right? I mean, we we, we run certain things that work well in terms of putting people through our different service lines. They might come in trying to be a developer, but actually, you know, if you're classifying what that high performance is, they might want to be more in the transformation space and they have an ill towards doing that and going that way. On the other side, you might have people that just want to work in support, right, and do break fix and small enhancements, don't want to be customer facing, but they're massively high performing because they get through tickets and backlogs like, like you know, so very, very quickly. So for, for, for me, and I think for us, it's more culture, understanding what people's goals are when they come in, making sure you've got a finger on the pulse of those personal development plans. And then feeding that back, right, and understanding what does the business need to grow forward. And if you can match that to what people's ambitions are, 
the results tend to be quite good, right? Based on really interesting that guys. Is there anything else that anyone wants to add on to that topic before we move on to the next? Sorry, in true true mal fashion, I've got I've got something else to add just to sure. hand that off. I think it's I think the you know, we we talk about recruiting in the space, um, and when we get people in, they're relatively unknown to the PMs and the seniors within the team, when arguably some of those other would be top performers. Um I think the behaviors of those people have to be key, you know, in terms of don't just choose your favorites. Don't choose the people that have always been on your side because in a growing organization, that will result in a bench, right? You almost want that virtuous circle where you optimize the use of the team, you know, where all the seniors aren't playing hero and taking on all the work when they shouldn't be. They've got to give the opportunities to those around them by being honest about what they need to hand off. Otherwise, you do end up having, um, you know, a, a certain set of people doing all the stuff, which then only leads to a bench, demotiva- you know, demotivating people and not giving the others ch- a chance. So I think, you know, that, that behavior needs to be in there from those that are in those positions to resource um, to actually facilitate that high-powered team, whatever discipline that is, whether it's now, whether it be the BAs, whatever it is. So I think I think it's a behavioral thing of the leaders of the team as well. Great stuff. Thank you, guys. So we'll move on to the second topic of four. Uh, Brett, you uh, proposed this one. How do we retain technical staff in a dynamic jobs market like the current service now skills market? Uh, so again, Brett, could you give us a bit of a, an idea on why you chose that question and your own experiences behind it as well, please? Yeah, sure, Saul. And I think it's, it's something that anybody that's worked in the ServiceNow partner ecosystem comes across a lot, right? The rates of attrition in the space are probably astronomical if you're comparing it to to other platform technologies. And I mean, it's 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 definitely just a sign of the demand of the platform, you know, out there in the market can't keep up with the, the resource demand, can't keep up with the demand for the platform in the market. So it's becoming ever more um, pressurized for businesses to attract and then retain that talent because... You know, your, your recruitment fees are, are huge on certain of these roles. You're looking at people coming into the market as a graduate with four or five years experience, being pushed up to 80K salaries, looking to make a jump, you know, in increments of 10 all of the time. So what is it that, you know, I would be keen to hear the forum's thoughts is the key to ensuring you retain the talent that you're investing in so heavily. Um, we have a view, right? It seems to work quite well. But I'd be very keen to understand, you know, what people's perception is of, of, of how to retain that talent and, and keeping them happy, right? Yeah. But I will probably probably start there. I mean, I guess I'm coming from the um, uh, the customer side. Even better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've always been on the customer side. But um, certainly I've had those challenges where, you know, you are um, almost constantly having to rebuild, rebuild the team. Um, and uh, particularly so when you... You know, have done some some um, high-profile um, you know deployments, and 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 you end up um, being in a situation where if the handover is not done, then you know you, you might have difficulty supporting that new service in production. But um, so far, I've been I've been fortunate in that um, I've had to create a family spirit in the team, and and um, you know to your point, Brett, about the the, the culture, you've got to have a strong family you know tight-knit culture in the team but also um not everybody's motivated by 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 money it comes eventually of course but you've got to be very passionate yourself about um, how much you're investing in them and and when they see your passion which i've always tried to demonstrate um and they believe in what you're trying to do which is really make a difference those two things for me have managed to um, give me the longevity as much as possible for them to stay, get as as just they want, and for me to be able to then meet my uh, business needs as well. Um, but but as I said, you know, you you you've got to be the friend, you've got to be the mentor, you've got to be available for them uh, outside of work. Um, you know, you've got to know what's happening if they're willing to share. Uh, about their family, their home, and all of that stuff, and you know, I, I, I mean, I've had I've had some amazing situations in the last eighteen months or so where 
um, you know, they've turned down uh, a doubling of salary because they were happy. And and so, I mean, that's a huge it's thing. A great points. It's, it's a great point. I mean, you know, what, what we tend to see, and this is what's really interesting to me, is, is your younger generation entering the market and coming into the practice are far less motivated by money than certain of the senior people, right? And what they're really looking for is longevity in an organization where they can be free to express their ideas, obviously in the interest of driving towards what your business is looking to achieve. They're looking for mentorship, guidance, personal development, and you know, just an environment that fosters that innovation and that interest in them and their personal development. So I was very keen to see who was gonna sort of say about the money situation. Money is a motivator, certain people doesn't always motivate, but we're certainly seeing that the softer side and the cultural aspects are going a very long way in helping us mitigate attrition right i think we've had 14 people leave in, in almost four years which is nothing for the service in our world so you know I'm, I'm happy to hear that because it means we're doing something right by keeping our people happy and developing them and putting them into the right situation so thank you it's a, it's a good answer for me uh about which i'd go next yeah absolutely i guess to a certain extent i'll counter the money piece just because of the economic environment that we live in so I think I think that you like you said there is, there is a factor in there that it's all about money. I think um, if, however, you're you're constantly going ahead and and providing much bigger salaries to your new joiners than your current ones, there will be a level of attrition. They talk. We we're, we're not naive enough to think that they don't talk about how much they earn. You know, we we, we I think we're all long enough in the tooth to know that. That's not a thing that we talk about. However, the younger generation do. And if you think about people wanting to get on the um, the property ladder, they want to buy the lavish things. Those that are between, you know, 25 to like 32, I I almost forget. Well, I absolutely forgive them. I empathize and say, well, yeah, I can understand why you want to choose something that is paying more rather than come, come to that that family unit, Emma, that you're, you know, you're creating. I, and that's the basis of what I create. Um, thankfully, we only had one person really leave us last year because we've created that family environment. And that is absolutely key. And I think, you know, not not wanting to repeat too much of what Emma's already said, but that passion, that visibility, that availability, are all of the things that I think have, have worked well here. Um, in endeavor team just to just to have that re retention and that real willingness to be involved so they know you're leading from the top they can they don't have to call their team leaders they can come directly to me if they want and just making sure that they know that but i think i think the other bit is the rewards and recognition piece of it all is again you know it's easy to keep calling out the same people because they are you know, they, they do constantly do something that's particularly amazing. But again, going back to the next rung, making sure that people are recognized, rewarded, appreciated, even if it's a small thing, you've got to make a bigger deal out of it just to say that, you know what, I've noticed that and it's been noticed at all levels. And, you know, it's the MD knows about it as well. So it's a kind of, again, that environment of, okay, well, I've got, I've got a chance here because, um, you know, people are recognizing what I'm doing and they're, they're more than happy to advertise that, um, however big or small that thing is. So I think that's that's absolutely key in spreading that. It's really interesting. Well, how, how do you guys go about doing that? How do you give people that recognition? Is there a forum or, or how, how do you do that? It's various. So I look, I my, my monthly team meeting does not get cancelled. That is one thing that I promised to my team is that, look, I've been in too many organizations and I've seen it elsewhere where, you know, it's oh, a monthly, monthly old hands call, oh, suddenly it's moved, suddenly it's been canceled. And my promise has been to them is that, well, it won't move. And if I'm, I will share the chair. So they don't want to hear my dulcet tones all day long and every, every time. So we'll share that responsibility across all levels. So that's one amongst the team. But anytime one of the PMs, you know, um, recognizes somebody on the team as having a, done a good job, they openly admit it. And I will I will say thanks for your feedback. Um, CC that person in. I'll probably even direct it to the MD just to say, look, you know what, we're constantly getting this kind of feedback. Um, it needs to be called out. And then obviously on our, our 
you know, um, UK town hall that, you know, includes our other sales force, AWS people, we'll make sure we make a point of it there as well, just to, you know, it'll normally be me knocking on HR's door saying, right, don't forget to mention this, this, and this, will you? So I think um, there's various forums. Good. Yeah, I mean, to just add to that, I mean, I 100%, um, you know, agree, agree with that, especially the consistency and the regularity of uh, forums so you can, you can you know, share that um, achievement um, to everybody. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think um, things like sort of Teams channels where, um, you know, you're, 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 you're posting, you're doing shout outs and things like that or other, or, or the, or the, or the, you know, sort of... Um, uh, forums or channels that you have um, uh, try to make that a regular thing uh, you know at the end of a sprint or a particular release cycle um, and, and, and and also empower um, you know the person that's done the achievement to 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 them sort of be in position to promote it as well and 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 you know everybody likes likes <laughs> so you know that that's that's always a, a you know a, a, a good a good thing that I've just always try to maintain as well and uh, Steve, anything so I don't know you were interested. Yeah, sure. In yeah. One, so, um, so I've I've been in with Engagement for seven years. I've never directly managed anyone, but I've worked on a lot of deliveries. And in all that time, I've never had someone resign from one of the projects I've been delivering. So, I, I've had to do things at a bit of a slant to the normal methods for for staff retention. Uh, I haven't been doing performance reviews and pay reviews and that sort of thing. Um, but it. The tools that I use really fit into two themes uh, and it fits with everything that you guys have already been saying. The the two being making the staff feel valued. And, and Amal, you, you made really good points about recognition. I, I've just developed that a little in that it needs to be timely as well. And sometimes a month is a bit long to wait to get that recognition. Um, barely a day goes by where I'm not showing appreciation to my team members. Yeah, I'm I thank them on the spot. I highlight the really good work they're doing. Now, it's different strokes for different folks as well. Some people don't really need that. Some people who are maybe a little unsure on how they sit um, really will benefit from it. You know, it's it's much more motivational to people who are progressing and learning and growing, whereas your top most experienced architect level people, you know, they don't need that so much. They've got the confidence. They know what they know. They know what they don't know. Um, and, and they've done it before. So... But I'll still show them appreciation. It's not to say you don't do it. It's just not so motivational for them. Um, and then the other thing I, I would say is let them know they have a future with you. So we talked a bit about career development, learning opportunities and growth. Great point, Steve. Yeah. yeah. So if they, you know, you talked about showing you value them by investing in them, but you've got to invest in the things they want to grow in, not just what you want them to grow in. So a bit of soft skills training and development, mentoring and the things beyond the certifications for your ServiceNow qualifications. Let them know that you see them in your future three years, four years hence, and let them build that vision in their own minds, seeing themselves in with your organization still over time. So I, I've joined projects, for example, where I've, the project's already in flight, there may be 20 people working on it. Uh, and I'm talking to some of the staff and, and one of them says to me, oh yeah, I've been working on this project for a year. And oh, how long have you been with the company? A year. Oh, right. Um, where, how long you worked with ServiceNow products? A year. Right. Don't take this the wrong way. I want you off my project. You need to go and do something else because you've only had this one experience so far. Let's, let's get you some breadth. Let's get you, you know, see what else is possible, what else is out there. Because if they're on there two or three years, they think, what am I doing here? I'm doing the same thing day in, day out. You know, all the thanks in the world isn't going to make them more interested in their work. Give them a bit of variety. But again, different strokes for different folks. Not everyone needs that and it needs to fit what they're looking for as well. I think, I think just to wrap that up, I think giving them something, you know, in line with the empowerment, giving them something to get their teeth into. So and an example of mine is, you know, we run a number of campaigns um, that we're going to um, kick off aligned with our propositions. So I'll I'll say to some of them, I'll say, okay, well, you know, I, I don't want to be dictating all of it. Um, here's what we're trying to achieve. You form your team, um, and it's line in line with the groups, um, you know, the EMEA-wide 
campaigns, but I want to do a local one that resonates to our market. Can you go make it happen? And that again is just part of that future bit, right? It's something very tangible, not just saying and encouraging them to do something, giving them something that is very clearly a part of the wider strategy that we need to to go ahead and focus on. And again, that that assists them with just seeing that that they have the future in in it. So I think that's it's something very tangible for them to grab a hold of, not just fobbing them off and saying, "Oh, you know what? Go and research something." It's like this is part of my strategy. It's part of the group strategy. This is how I see it actually facilitating our funnel, our pipeline, and our you know our more interesting projects. Go for it, and I'll support it all along the way. Thank you, Jan. So really interesting points made on that one, and it just goes to show how how important it is to retain people with, within the market that we all work in. Um, I'll spin it back to you, Amal, for, for your topic, um, which was how do we facilitate career development beyond the ServiceNow arena without distracting them from what they've been brought in for and paid to do? So do you want to give us a little bit of an idea on, on why you chose that one? Yeah, so I guess maybe a little bit more unique to me because obviously working with Dev Team UK, we've got the other pillars, Salesforce, Google, um, AWS as well. So we come into an organization saying that, okay, well, you've got diversity when it's time right for you, right? But obviously they're joining a growing team within ServiceNow. So it's on one point, I absolutely want to give those opportunities um, as as we grow, as we hit critical mass and, and things like that. But I don't want it just to be something that I say um, and it be a false promise because I'm not into false promises. Look, I want I want to bring that to life. So it's it's really then how how do you do that? I mean, it, for you guys, it might be specific to particular modules. You bring someone in for CSM, but you know you've got a strategy to grow massively in the IRM GRC um, SecOps space. So it's you know how do you find that balance when utilization is king or queen? Steve, would you like to jump in first? Yeah, sure. So the first thing I would do. In- considering that situation is um, I do some kind of competency mapping. So people are looking at their career progression, they're striving towards, well, fulfilling their current targets, but what's next? You know, they want, they've got a career direction they want to head in. Um, And what I'd like to be able to do is set out to them in order to achieve that, that next step or to be successful in your, your, at your current level, whatever they're aiming for. Um, you need to do X, Y, and Z. So it could be you need to demonstrate competence in three different modules or in two different software products or um, managing a customer relationship, um, managing a team, mentoring someone. You know, the the things that you can put on the competency matrix can spread all across the different things you're looking for from your team members uh, and then show them a roadmap to achieving that. So if that involves changing product lines, uh, changing software technology areas, so be it, but it may not be applicable to everyone. Um, and also manage expectations around timing. Yeah. Um, if they say they've got 10 items on the competency matrix, they've already demonstrated competence in seven of them. Uh, so there's, there's three to tackle and one of those is a different technology area. You might say, well, at the moment, given the, the uh, priorities of the business that one's going to have to be deferred focus on these other two but once you've completed them then you'll be top of the list to move into another technology area or if the demand is really high like it is in service now typically yeah we're going to bring you into service now soon we'll get you that extra competency this is helping you on your journey to the next step in your career and, and really to the whole question I, i'd say how can we not do this mm-hmm. yeah this is a retention key if you're not doing this already then people are going to walk. Yeah. Why Why should they stay in an organization that's not giving them the skills to develop their career? Yeah. And I guess especially, sorry to jump, especially when you've got us that have more than a service now head, you know, it's, it's, it's wrong of me to be selfish just because I'm growing the service now team. Um, you know, I want, I want people to be motivated by what else it could mean for them. You know, whether they're coming as a 25-year-old or whether there's somebody in in the in the forties that is thinking, right? How do I progress to becoming CIO or whatever it is, right? So it's yeah. Yeah. it's it's um, it, I think you sort of take it back, right, to that that front end recruiting process. Um, 
what we like to do, Steve, is also to understand the competencies and where people's ambitions are, right? So we're getting a gauge of, of, of where this person sits. But alongside that, it's it's very important for us to look at the personal development plans. And we have goal setting, right? Every year for every person comes into the organization. Now, the goals need to be in line with what the organization is looking to achieve, right? If somebody said, I wanted to learn how to cook like Gordon Ramsay, that might be a bit of a challenge to get through business case. But if it's a, you know, a real scenario of saying, I'm very technical, I wanted to develop the softer side of, of my skill set, I want to be more of a consultant, we will then work with people to understand what skills we need to add to make them more marketable and flexible sort of at the top. So yes, well, we, we don't have your challenges or, or your, your other practices trying to nab away your top talent. But what we try to think about is when looking at specific service now applications, so if you're looking at CSM as an example, can we then ask people to go a bit outside of that and explore ISV solutions that might add value to CSM like a 3C logic or your happy signals or whatever that might be. So we try and guide people in terms of, you know, we want to develop you, we're going to invest in you, we see you in our future, Steve, as you're saying. And these are the things we think we can invest and support you with that will give you a transferable skill, you know, should you want to then leave the organization and pursue a different technology. So I think it's 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 key to develop people, but I also think it's very key that the investment needs to also help the business move forward so that we can always unlock a lot more funding and to do these things for the rest of the install base and as we grow, right? But it's, it has to be focused. Um, it can't just be something that isn't checked. A goal at the beginning of the year, checking in December, how have you done? That doesn't work. You need pulse checks along the way. Great stuff. Over to you, Alma. Yeah, no, I think uh, everyone's raised some really good points. So probably... Um... I mean, on my side, again, coming from more sort of uh, the customer side, um, I just find that, um, you know, you're sort of, you know, if you're close to your employees, you know, you, you're doing your one-to-ones, you know, you, you've defined, um, you, you know, really where where they where they want to go. Um, you're able to feed that into your um, roadmap planning um, in terms of where to potentially align 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 the resources um and i've always worked in a in a very agile way as well and 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 um uh, even if um a resource hasn't been a primary on something then because you know it's part of their um uh, career aspiration you know you get them to buddy up during the sprint um and and and, and you know if you've got that in your team where you're able to just able to just just have that hybrid model where you're able to um, move people across, even even for a story or two, you know, things it, it gets them to dip dip their dip their toes into something, and oh yeah, okay, um, I I had some exposure to that. Um, so they're the sort of more fluid um, ways of working that I've tried to implement, and and you can do it with uh, if you if you right size your development backlog appropriately, um, but it all goes back to to understanding. Um, you know what they want but also then aligning that to your roadmap and then that 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 i guess as a leader you have to know every site of static ferguson he he knew what the 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 the, the cook um you know son was doing you know uh and what 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 degree they want to do so and that's why he was so successful for so so many decades um and 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 and, and i just find that that is it's not something you can do overnight it takes time um and then through that through that time, you can you can you can then um, you know, d- demonstrate um, the, the sort of output of that. Great stuff. Is there anything that any of you gents want to add before we move on to the final topic? Yeah, just add one more thing. So, um, a slightly different slant on this question. One thing that we're doing within Engage ESM is we're looking at non-traditional recruitment. So, people who haven't got a ServiceNow background and they're looking to move into uh, into IT or into into service now or service management tooling as a new endeavor um and so we're sort of broadening our horizons as to who is appropriate to reskill so it's kind of the reverse of your question <laughs> i'm out so looking at you know what do we do bringing people in from from diverse backgrounds rather than considering moving people out of service now practice it, it does work well sorry carry on sorry if we hit the mute button at the same time i think i think you when you hit the critical mass um You've got the luxury to be able to do that and get people in, you know, in that right size 
pyramid, it's absolutely paramount. I think I think the last thing I wanted to add to that is that one of the things that I continuously do is, you know, get them to think about their objectives. So, you know, you're right. As part of it, I, I don't know the full answer to my own question, but I know the things I'm already doing. So there'll be, you know, there'll be things that you want to train up on or factor it into your objectives. And as Brett said, look, you measure it on a monthly basis to say, are you being given the bandwidth um, to to do that? And is it for the right reasons, not just because it's the new kid on the block, it's the new technology. You know, how, how can we support that, um, whether it be for something now or for the future? But there has to be a purpose to it because it's good good for them to have that purpose in actually driving for that for that thing that might be important to us as an organization. It might be important to them in their longevity of their career, et cetera. But there has to be a purpose and they'll believe it more. And they'll take the bull by the horns again to say not just a, a, a line entry on an objective plan. They need to believe it to say, right, okay, well, yeah, I'm really going to go after that. Uh, Brett, anything else to add there to wrap us up? It, it was just on, on Steve's point around the apprentice apprentice route. Um, I think we've hit that critical mass in the market where we just can't get enough good people, skilled people through the door, right? So we have to start looking at non-traditional recruiting paths and I think trying to avoid paying recruiters so much money, right, as well would be quite nice. But it's it's actually worked really well for us, Steve. So we, we have reskilled people from different walks of life, different age groups, and it's actually immense when they turn around and we've had some real big successes. We haven't had any doozies there yet, which is great, but it's it's an avenue of, of untapped resource if you think about, you know, what skills you actually require to configure the platform now, right? So yeah, it's just good to hear you guys are doing that as well. Great. Thanks, Brett. Awesome. Thank you, gents. And we'll move on to the final topic, which was proposed by yourself, Emma. It was, what is the preferred approach to leverage the ServiceNow platform in support of high-performing teams as the platform supports multiple ways of working, modules, and processes? Uh, so go ahead. Why did you uh, pose that question, Emma? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess... Uh... It can, I mean, I guess the rate of change of the platform can be can be overwhelming, really. Um, so, in terms of how you work, um, you know, you've got you've got people that might be going through through the idealization route, and then, um, yeah, you know, they, they're able to sort of, um, uh, you know, do all the projects and portfolios and your your sort of epics and themes and all of that, and you work that way. Um, but you you know you, but it, sometimes that can be a bit too much for 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 other teams i mean perhaps you know other teams you're trying to onboard and 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 i find that um and i know now you've got spm that that's out and flexibility and and but but i think you know you you have so much in there and so many supporting so many different ways of working that that in itself can sometimes be a decision point and go, okay, how should we work? Um, I mean, I, I uh, was trying to onboard our PMO function and 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 they had a they had a, they had a dwindling team and then once we showed them, uh, you know, what's happening, it was just overwhelming for them. Um, and then then it ended up just being a just being a, a sort of catalog item and a request flow uh, that we customized for them. And it's sort of, uh, but then uh, that was different to how we worked. And 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 then when we engage with our DevOps teams, you know they they they're a lot more mature and and, and you know they're going to have um, an ecosystem we need to plug into. So for me, it's sort of sometimes you're going one step forward, uh, uh, you know, um, and then two steps back, and and, and it's just um, everyone else's thoughts on how you can create a more sort of um, dynamic model that will keep your teams engaged to be performing at the absolute best because if you're perhaps only doing piecemeal of some things mm. um it can then slow down yeah. you know that delivery i, th I think what, what what you're facing there armor is 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 not unique right a lot of people in large enterprises centered around the platform probably feel that pain in some way shape or form yeah. i think from from our perspective and and, and how we go about doing this there's various factors, right? But number one, that's always clear is what is the vision of the platform? What is what does ServiceNow mean to the zone? Is this going to be your accepted enterprise application tool for your customers interacting with the business? Are there other platforms that can play into it, right? So 
where is the decision point on what goes onto the platform, who gets onboarded, right? What is that qualification criteria, number one? I think, and what we've seen with a lot of customers who've had the platform for a long time now, I'm talking, you know, 11, 12 years, where things have been customized, it's not out of the box, CS, CSDM isn't isn't in place. There's a lot of thinking around the operate model, right, and how to get get the most out of this platform. And I think that that what we see traditionally in the market, right, end-to-end, the most successful platforms, uh, ServiceNow platforms that are run, have got the right operating models and centers of excellence behind them. And it's really understanding. There is a process that we, we obviously go through in terms of understanding the work, understanding the strategy, understanding the people. And then you start putting your structures in place to start speeding a lot of that up. But, you know, it's, it's obviously a lot easier from a demand perspective once platform is live and you're running. It's that front-end project and transition onto the platform that can be a little bit of a challenge and, and upskilling people and helping them see the art of the possible, right? But where we've seen this, we sort of track it back a little bit into into big organizations at sea level and go, what's the vision, right? Are we all going to service now for these lines of business, for these requirements? And if it is, you do need a, a thorough understanding of what it's going to take to run said application, right? Not just be another, another burden on the IT department or funding that they're going to need to get to. So... I think that's kind of where we see it and where we work with customers to get to what is that team you're going to need to have in place to facilitate the outcomes that are driven through the platform. And if you can do that and then all the smart stuff we've spoken about previously, you tend to drive the right results around, you know, you shouldn't have too much of a backlog. You should be releasing as soon as the new new versions are available. You could be early adopters getting sorts of new functionality. There's a whole spin-off that will happen, you know, if you can get the, the operates model correct yeah uh, steve you want to hop in yeah sure so um i've probably got an odd perspective on this one and the, the way i operate is with whatever the customer expects so i i form project teams go into uh their instances of service now and, and have to fit in with their governance model for for project delivery um but i'll set that aside <laughs> and i i say if i'm advising on on how to set up the tool to support the the way of working the first thing would be don't think about the tool first think about what's right for the team what's right in terms of process what governance and regulatory compliance you've got imposed on on you from external uh, factors and once you've understood all of that then you can start talking about what's right to put on service now for the team um that said it it, the answer is going to be it depends if you're, you're a small isolated team working on a piece of work yourselves you don't need to interact with others then you can just go with the basic agile implementation um, stuff if you're working as part of a, a larger implementation team uh, then the the bigger frameworks like safer much more manageable for interacting sprint uh, sprint teams working working in parallel together um so you know it depends on the complexity of your environment which way you want to approach it but it's it's really useful for that big complex environment where you have that whole visual uh presentation of what everyone's working on you can see all the different different uh teams uh working on different areas where there's likely to be potential clashes and make sure you meet regularly if you're doing two weekly sprints in my experience then a weekly meeting across the teams to say actually we're touching this and you're touching it at the same time let's make sure we're not going to interfere with one another so getting those sprint alignments um in in place across across your various teams so not a clear answer <laughs> it depends it's got to be fit for purpose to what you're trying to deliver and, and what sort of team you've got in place and i liked um steve's uh, it was a very idle answer with um it depends very very good i see what you did there um I guess not not much more to add to what the the team have already said there. I think it does depend on the size of the organization you're about to work with, um, you know, the complexities around it. So there isn't a one-size-fits-all, is there? It's, um, you know, if you think of the client organization, some of the bigger organizations might have a mature team um, already. And, you know, for for our project team to face off to, whereas some might not, and they might have somebody that is known as a platform owner, but you know doesn't really touch service now, 
Um, therefore, we've got to almost encourage the client to make sure that they've got the the right team to face off to, so that the decisions are real decisions, whether we're going when we're going live or um, you know after go live. I think there's, there's got to be that occasion. But again, it really does depend on the size and complexity of the of the organization, and as to whether actually want to use ServiceNow for the actual purpose or not. Right, so we can't force them down a particular route that they're just not wedded to because some of the bigger organizations um might not want to work in that in that way and you know de debate on how strategic a platform it actually is for them because in a in a small organization it's a strategic platform um and everything will go on to it whereas a larger organization it's a strategic platform but is it really recognized as that by, you know, those above the platform owner and the CIO? So I guess it is a, it's a, it's a it depends answer. I'm going to go with the ITLA from Steve. It's, 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 it's going back to the vision, right? If you don't know what the vision is and what service now is to your business, you could go down a lot of rabbit holes before finding out that maybe that wasn't the answer. So I would say my, my key takeaway is ensure you know what the vision for the platform is and that's communicated from the top down. That'll make the process a little bit easier. Yeah, and I can give a specific example that that illustrates that around uh, the um, the use of, for example, portfolio and, and project management resources. So whenever I've implemented that functionality with with customers, there's a strong debate over should we be doing resource management within ServiceNow, or do we do it in a timesheeting system elsewhere? For example, the accounting system. So you know that's that's imposed by others generally. If it's not there already, then maybe ServiceNow is the right tool, but you're probably going to have to contend with a finance team uh, if you want to move that functionality into ServiceNow from their existing tool. And I think if you align with, you know, if you go back to the business imperatives that ServiceNow have talked about, I think if that roadmap aligns with those business outcomes, you know, more than just, yeah, it's a great feature and, you know, everyone else is doing it is, you know, what does it mean to the business into operational efficiency along with that roadmap? Because it's very nice having a roadmap. Um, but I think if you can, you know, really articulate the key benefits from an operational business efficiency standpoint on that roadmap, I think it makes it a lot easier as well. Uh, great stuff. Anything to add, gents? Or is that, uh, that's pretty much just wrapped up. Okay. Well, uh, just wanted to say before we end a big thank you to our guests today, uh, Amma, Amal, Brett and Steve for offering their knowledge and experiences as panellists today uh, and I hope you really enjoyed taking part Jeds and a big thank you to you for listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast and we hope you enjoyed listening. We'll see you next time.